thank you for listening to New Covenant Worship Center's Sermon Podcast. You can visit us on the web at www.ncwc.org. And now, today's message. So good to have you this morning. I'm going to uh, jump into our text and, and just, just get going because this is a, uh, I feel like this is a powerful message that somebody needs to hear in the room. I hope it'll be an encouragement to your heart today, to your life. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn to the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, chapter 3. And uh, this will probably be a couple of weeks, uh, a series, uh, you, you can call it a couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to be talking about going through the fire, going through the fire. How many of y'all feel like you've been through the fire? How many feel like you're in the fire today? It's like, I'm in it right here, right now. It's hot. Amen. Well, we're going to talk about going through the fire. And there's no better text I can think of to, uh, to glean from God's word than Daniel chapter 3. And so we're going to read a few verses. We're just going to read and preach and read and preach our way through this text in Daniel 3. And today we're going to talk about going through the fire of trials. Uh, there is, a, uh, there is a, a thing in life called fiery trials. Um, just because we put our faith in Jesus and we believe God is good doesn't mean we don't have difficulties. Amen? It doesn't mean that we don't have dark days. Now, it doesn't change who God is, and I hope that this will strengthen our faith and our confidence in Him, not ourselves, but in Him, because as we're going to see, He is faithful, even though we have fiery trials in life. So Daniel chapter 3, I'm just going to start off reading the first three verses, and then, uh, and then we'll, we'll move forward. Daniel 3 verse 1 says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned, and they, they make this long list. Here we go. He summoned the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the advisors and the treasurers and the judges and the magistrates. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a lot of folks. <laughs> Seems like almost everybody, don't it? And all the other provincial official, officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the, here we go again. He's going to spare no expense at listing this whole list of people. Satraps and prefects and governors and advisors and treasurers and judges and magistrates. And all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before it. If you will, bow your heads and let's ask God to speak to us this day by the power of his spirit. Holy Spirit, remain. As you are here, remain. I ask you to remain and reveal truth to us. Speak to our hearts. Increase. Let me decrease. Let your voice be heard loud and clear this morning. I pray that as we open up our hearts, our ears to hear, Father, that, that you would rush in and and change our lives, even into the places that we try to resist or hide or put up a front, that you would come in like a fresh wind and blow, blow new life, blow fresh revelation, things that were previously hidden, reveal them to our hearts and let us see for the first time. Change us in your presence and let us leave saying, surely the Lord has spoken to us today. And we ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus, the strong Son of God. And let the church give a hearty amen. amen. 
Amen. Well, many of you who've been in church any time probably know the story of these young men who had been uh, exiled, uh, had been taken captive, and now are in a foreign country. They are actually Hebrews, but they are living in Babylon as captives, and they are serving the nation that has, uh, that has, that has uh, taken them from their homeland here in Babylon, serving Nebuchadnezzar. Now, I want to talk about, because I believe part of this story is still in effect today. We see what Nebuchadnezzar did in Babylon thousands of years ago. But I believe as I read this text that there is a, the same spirit is at work today in the world that we live in. There is a spirit of Nebuchadnezzar that's at work, that's trying to take the people of God captive and, and it's trying to erect false idols and, and pressure and put fear on the people of God to worship something other than the one true God. There is a spirit of Nebuchadnezzar at work. This spirit will try to get you to compromise your beliefs. It will try to push you and pressure you to compromise your morals and the things that you know are right. Anybody feeling that pressure? Like I used to hold strong to this and I know what my granny taught me, but times have changed and the days are different. And now we got to give a little, we got to give up some moral ground. We got to back up a little bit. Anybody feeling that in the culture today? That's the spirit of Nebuchadnezzar pushing back the standards of holiness. There's a spirit of Nebuchadnezzar in the world today that's, that's pushing the, the, the religious pluralism agenda. In other words, we can't just say Jesus is the only way to God. There's many ways. How can you say he's the only one? There's many paths, many gods, many, many roads to get to God, many ways to get to heaven. That's, that's rampant in our culture. And, and then they're going to, and, and, and you will get labeled as narrow-minded. As you will get na labeled as a religious fascist if you say that your way is the only way. That's the spirit of Nebuchadnezzar at work in our culture today. The spirit of Nebuchadnezzar says truth is subjective. I will decide what's true for me. You decide what's true for you. But don't lay your truth on me. Listen, the truth is the word of God determines and dictates what is true. I don't get to decide. You don't get to decide. But there is a pushback because of the spirit of Nebuchadnezzar at work in our culture that says I can decide, you can decide. And, and of course, they always throw this caveat, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Like, you know, I decide as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. But listen. The spirit of Nebuchadnezzar is at work. And here is the goal of this spirit. We see it in the text, and it's true today. The spirit of Nebuchadnezzar is to try to pull the people of God and keep them from worshiping the one true God. It's the same thing. It's, it's Lucifer's pride. You remember what Lucifer's pride was? Worship me, not God. I want the worship. I want to garner, I want to gather the worshipers to worship me. It's the pride of Lucifer that's at work in our culture today. And here are some of the tactics that the spirit of Nebuchadnezzar that's working around us uses. First of all, it's going to try to tell you and lie to you that everybody's doing it. Did you see the list that we just read? There's this, it's, it's going to try to overwhelm you and deceive you into thinking that you're the only one standing against this. That it's going to try to isolate you and tell you 
Everybody's doing it. Everybody's bought in. Everybody's going this way. And you're the only one. You're so old-fashioned. You're so outdated. You're so antiquated, believing in God and holding to your morals and, and keeping up your standards. Listen, everybody's doing this. All the, what did it say? All of the, all the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the advisors and your aunt and your uncle and your friends and the people you graduated from high school with and your boss and your coworker, everybody's doing it. So why don't you just get on board with it? That's the spirit of Nebuchadnezzar trying to influence us to compromise our morals, to compromise the standard of the word of God. And it may seem like everybody, but I got a word for somebody. And that is, it may be everybody, but not me. It may be everybody, but not me. How many of you got a backbone? There's, you know, there's Christians who just kind of go with the flow. But God's looking for some Christians who's got a backbone. Who says, it may be the satraps. It may be the prefects. It may be the governor. Everybody else may bow down to this spirit, but not me. I'm going to believe in the word of God. I'm going to uphold the standards of righteousness and truth, even if I'm the only one. Can I tell you something? You're not the only one. He's, this spirit will try to lie to you and tell you you're the only one. Listen, you're not the only one. God has reserved a remnant. He has an army in the palm of his hand that will not bow down to gold, will not bow down to idols, will not bow down to Nebuchadnezzar. God has a remnant of people in his hand who have not compromised, and you're not the only one. Look at somebody and say, you're not the only one. Listen, there's people holding up the standard. There's people living for God. There's people that are pursuing Jesus. They haven't caved. They haven't given in. There's young people who have kept their purity. There are young people who, have, who are living up the standard. Even in our public schools, they're living for Jesus. Listen, you're not the only one. So that's one of its tactics. The other tactic that this spirit that's at work in our culture will, will try to use is it will try to leverage fear to get you to bow. In this text, you know the threat for the Hebrews was, if you don't bow, then you will burn. That was the promise. That was the threat from the king. If you don't bow, then you will burn. And and, and the, the spirit of Nebuchadnezzar in our world today uses that same threat. It's the threat of fear. It tries to leverage fear. If you don't give in, bad things will happen. It's going to happen to you. We, listen, we've seen this divisiveness even with the Something as, as, as simple as the COVID vaccine. That if, if you don't get the va- vaccine, bad things are going to happen. Or if you get the ba- vaccine, bad things are going to happen. Like, it doesn't, you can't win, you know. It's, the, it's so at work trying to just, just stir up fear in our hearts and not know which way to turn. It leverages fear. Let's keep reading in the text. Uh, let's skip down to verse 8. Because as we know, the story goes, they don't bow, they don't worship, they take a stand. And so in verse 8, the text says, at this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. Now, I want to I point out something and, and make you aware of this if you don't already know this. Anytime you live for Jesus and you take a stand, if the devil hasn't noticed, there will be plenty of people around you to point it out. There's always somebody lurking in the shadows. 
that's ready to talk about you and ready to point their finger at you and ready to try to ruin your reputation. Ready to, ready to spread gossip and, and share some lies in some dark corners about you. While you're standing for Jesus and living the best you can for righteousness and holiness, do not be surprised. These people will always be there, okay? I don't want you to be shocked. I don't want you to be caught off guard and say, I mean, I'm living for Jesus and they're talking about me. Don't be surprised. These astrologers will always be there. Look at somebody and say, they're going to be there. There will always be somebody around you trying to bring you down. There will always be somebody pointing out your faults. There will always be somebody around talking about who you used to be and talking, bringing up your past and the places that you've been in your past and where you come from and the things you've done in your past. There will always be somebody to tell you that you have no business being where you're at, that you're not qualified to be where you're at. There will always be somebody bringing up accusations against you. Accept it. Don't be surprised. They will be there. Amen. Don't be discouraged. As a matter of fact, here's the, here's the word. Maybe here's the word for you for, for those people. Uh, in the text, these were astrologers denouncing, accusing the Hebrews. So these are people looking at the stars. So my, my word for you is just to look a little higher. You just look a little higher. They're looking at the stars. You be looking at the one who made the stars. You look at God who, who has your life and your future and a plan and a story written for you in his hand. Amen? So you just look a little higher. Yeah, they're going to be there, but just ignore it and look a little higher. Look at somebody and say, just look a little higher. I'm not looking to the stars. I'm looking to the one who made the stars. We just got to look a little higher. I love, I love in David's life how many attacks, how many setbacks, how many trials he went through. But he was so good at looking a little higher. He was so good. Even when he messed up, he was so good. He had a, scripture says he has a heart after God. But he, he would go to God. Like, he, he, he wouldn't do some of the things. We, he would go to God even when he messed up. Even when he was under attack, he was so good at just going to God. In Psalm 3, he's being attacked. And, and David writes, and he says, many are they increased who trouble me. Have you ever felt like that? Like, there's people giving you some trouble. Many are they that say, that are rising up against me and say, there is no help for you and God. He says, I'm surrounded by Ten thousands of demons, but I will not be afraid because I cried unto the Lord and he heard me from his holy hill. He says, you, O Lord, are the glory and the lifter of my head. I'm not turning to the left, not turning to the right. I'm shouting, I'm screaming, I'm calling out for you, God, because I know you will hear me. You will rescue me. You will save me. So there's always going to be those people those voices, those astrologers, those people to try to bring you down. Just, just keep going. Just look a little higher and keep going. So let's, let's keep reading in verse 13. He says, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are the three Hebrews that would not bow. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true? And he calls them by 
their new names, their Babylonian names. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? One of the tactics that the enemy always tries to use against us is he will try to change your identity. He will try to call you by a different name other than the name that the Lord calls you. If you'll read in chapter 1, these were not the names of these young men. I mean, I know we've popularized the story to call it the story of the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But did you know that's not really their names? That's not their name. That was their given Babylonian names after being exiled. But their, their given Hebrew names... The rightful name for the one for Shadrach is Hananiah. That's his real name. The rightful name for Meshach is Mishael. That's his real name. The rightful name of Abednego is Azariah. That's his real name. So the enemy is going to try to give you a new label, give you a false name, a false identity. And as sons and daughters of the living God, we got to know who we are. We can't let him change our name, change our identity, change who we are, change our birthright, change our authority, change our position. We got to know who we are and not let him change our name. Amen? Amen. I, I was thinking about this when we travel. You have to, uh, you, it's pretty important to have this little blue book with you called a passport. When we travel internationally, it's pretty important because you can't get anywhere if you don't have this thing, it's got, it's got my little picture in here. It's got my name in here. It tells anybody that I encounter, anybody who needs to know who I am. They don't take my word for it. I can't just walk up to the TSA agent, Keith, you know about this, and say, hey, let me through. I'm David. I promise. They're going to say, get out of here. But when I pull out this little blue book, they let me pass. I, the number of times we have to pull out this little passport on international trips is astounding. Like, you can't, I don't know what I would do without it. Well, I know what I'd do. They'd send me home and not let me go back. But this tells me, this tells anybody who needs to know who I am. I can get into places. I can go wherever I need to go because I've got this identification, and it tells them who I am. You don't have to take my word for it. Here's my passport. This is my identification. It doesn't change. If I try to change this, I'm in trouble. If I alter this, if I change this, if I say, hey, I don't like being David anymore. I think I want to be Joe. If I try to change this, they're not going to let me through. The, the computers are going to start blinking and buzzing. Flags are going to go off. And they're, gonna, they're not going to let me through if I try to change who I am, change my name. We, uh, this past trip, we... We were coming home from church, and we had to make some long trips across the island, and it was 11 o'clock at night, and we get stopped by the Honduran police. You know what they asked for? Let me see the passport. Well, one night, nobody in the car had the passport. <laughs> I'm so glad Mackenzie was with us, because she, she speaks Spanish well and kind of talked us out of it, so praise God. <laughs> she was our angel on that trip. But it seemed like no matter where we go, the airport, checking in, wherever we're at, the police, when they stop us, 
They want to see our passport. Can I tell you something? The word of God is your passport through life. It tells you who you are. It opens doors for you to get to where you need to go. And it does not change. It does not alter. Don't let the enemy come in and alter your identity or try to change your name. You are a son, a daughter of the living God most high. And don't let him tell you any different. Amen? He's going to come up and tell you, you know what, you're, you're, you're a mistake. Your parents didn't plan on having you, and you see how they treat you. You're, you're just an accident. You, you shouldn't even be here. He's going, to, he's going to speak those lies into your ear and try to change your identity and, and your self-worth. He's going to try to devalue who you are. But the Word of God says, no, you're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. The Word of God says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, the Creator knew you. That he created good works in advance for you to accomplish when you get here. So you are not an accident. That your identity is you are fearfully and wonderfully made for purpose by God. That's your identity. Don't let the enemy change your identity. The enemy's going to come to you and say, you're always going to be broke. You're always going to be poor. You're always going to be living from paycheck to paycheck. Just look at your parents. They live that way. Your grandparents were broke. You're going to be broke. Listen, that's not your identity. Your daddy, your God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who supplies everything you need. Don't, don't let your ID get changed. Amen? He's going to say there's no opportunities for you. You were born at the wrong place in the wrong family on the wrong side of town at the wrong time. You just, you just might as well throw in the towel there's not going to be any opportunities for you. No, the, I, the word of God says your identity is you have a daddy who opens doors that no man can shut. And he will close doors no man can open. You have a God who opens up opportunities for you. So don't let the enemy speak against who you really are. The enemy is going to say, you're going to be overwhelmed. This is going to take you out. You're going to be overcome by fear and anxiety. There's going to be a flood of circumstances that you cannot control, and it is going to overwhelm your soul like a flood. You're going to drown in fear. Can I tell you that's not who you are? As a son of God, as a daughter of the Most High, your father is Jehovah Shalom. He is the prince of peace. He's the one who stood up in the boat when the disciples were ready to jump ship because the storm had risen so strong around them. Your Jesus is the one who spoke and said, peace, be still. It's the same God. That's same God that's in your life is the same God that spoke to that storm. So don't let the enemy steal your identity. We got we to gotta move on. Verse 15. Let's keep going through the text. The text says, now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. There it is, putting that pressure, putting that fear on them. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? 
I know there's some of you that you feel like you've tried, you've lived for God, you've tried to do what's right, you've stood, you've believed. Even when it seemed like everybody else was doing the opposite, you stood and then you find yourself in a place where things just don't go your way. How many of you have ever had that? You've said that prayer to God. After, God, I've, I've, I've believed, I've prayed, I've, I've given, I've served, I've tried. And yet it seems like the fires, the trials are still burning all around me. Anybody ever felt like that after you've tried and you've believed God? There's still, your life didn't end up smooth. The path, he didn't just blaze the path in front of you and smooth out all the rough places and all the bumps in the road. There's still pushbacks. There's, there's still threats. There's still accusations coming against you. So I got three points this morning. I'm just going to share from the text real quick. How do we stand? How do we live through the fire of trials? Number one is this. We stand. These three young men, that's exactly what they did. When the king came against them, when the threats came against them, when fear rose up, the one thing they did was they simply stood. Sometimes that's all you can do is just stand. Sometimes you're standing there and you don't have any answers and you don't know what the future looks like and all you're doing is just standing. Sometimes that's enough. Amen? So first of all, we just stand. Look at what they say in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, I love this. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Listen, listen, people of God, there are times we just stand and we don't even need to defend ourselves. We don't need to justify. We don't need to rectify. We don't need to defend. We don't need to back up. We don't need to argue. All you got to do is stand and see the salvation of the Lord. We have an advocate who works on our behalf. His name is Jesus. He is a righteous judge. He goes before us. He speaks on our behalf. You do not need to Defend yourself. Let him go before you. Let him. Listen, there are times where we just let him fight our battles. We just stand and see the salvation of the Lord. We stand, not confident in ourselves, but confident in him to go before us and fight our battles. Paul talked about standing. He said we, we stand firm with our feet shod with the gospel of peace. We stand with the breastplate of righteousness. We stand with the helmet of salvation. We stand with the belt of truth. We stand with the shield of faith. Amen? Sometimes you just got to stand. You stand against the attack. Stand against the wind and see that God will come through. Look at their response to the king. Verse 17, they said, if we're thrown into a blazing furnace, the God we serve is, he's able to deliver us. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. I love verse 18. But even if he does not, we want you to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Man, what faith. Like there's faith, but this is taking faith to another level. Like we believe God is well able to save, heal, deliver, and rescue us. But I want you to know, devil, that even if God doesn't do it, I'm not bowing down. Even if God doesn't do it, I'm not throwing in the towel. It reminds, in, 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 the, in sports, we have 
two kinds of fans. And I think in the, in, in, in the kingdom of God, we got two kinds of faith. They're the same. In the, in the sporting world, you have, you have bandwagon fans. You know these, these people? As long as the team's winning, as long as things are going good, you know, as long as things are going on the up and up, we'll, we'll support the team. We'll wear the jersey. We'll go to the games as long as. There's, there's people in church like that. As long as God's answering my prayers. As long as my life's, as long as Jesus is treating me right, I'll go to church. We got bandwagon fans. In church, we got bandwagon faith. He's preaching to you. <laughs> But then, in the sporting world, you got what we call diehards. These are the fans who the team can have a losing season year after year after year, and they're still the crazy people in the front row painting their face, painting their chest, putting on the jersey, showing up at the games, supporting the team, even in the face of defeat after defeat after defeat. These are the crazy fans who show up for the game and are rallying and rooting for their team because, their team because they are the diehard fans. In church... The same is true. There's some diehard fans in the kingdom. These are the people who have been through the trials, who have been through the fire, who've been through all hell has broken out in their life. And it seems like no matter what the enemy throws their way, they are still putting on the shirt. They're still painting up their face and their chest. And they're showing up saying, go, Jesus. Go, Jesus. I worship you, God. You're worthy, God. No matter what comes into my life, I know you're good and you're worthy. We got bandwagon fans, bandwagon faith, but when we got diehard faith. I'm praying God raises up some people with die-hard faith, this kind of faith. This, the kind of faith that says, we believe God will save us, but even if he doesn't, we're not bowing down. Praise God. Even if he doesn't do what I think he ought to do, I'm still going to serve him. I'm still going to worship him. I still know that he is good. He doesn't have to bow to my agenda. He's my God. He's my Savior, and he's worthy of my praise. Die-hard faith. This happened to Jesus in his ministry. He was preaching some hard stuff, and people started to turn away. They started to walk away and say, we can't, he's preaching too hard. We can't follow this. And Jesus turns to Peter, and he says, well, it looks like I preached a little hard today. They're all leaving. He goes, uh, you going to leave me too? I love Peter's answer. Peter looks to Jesus and he says, Jesus, where else will we go? You're the one who has the answers to life. So think about that. Where You think you're going to abandon ship? You think you're going to turn your back and run? It got too hard. The fires got too hot. Where are you going to go? Amen. There's nowhere else to go. He's it. There is no plan B. Amen. So that's the first thing we do is we stand. Second thing is this, we declare. How do we live through the fire of trials? We declare with our mouth. Even if you're not 100% sure, declare it by faith because there's power in our words. That's what they did is they declared the faithfulness of their God. In verse 24, we'll skip down and 
We're going to close with this. King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. This is how the story closes. And he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire. Unbound. That'll preach. Unharmed. You thought it was going to cave in and crash in, and you thought it was going to be so bad. And here you are. You stood. You declared. He showed up. It wasn't near as bad as you thought it was going to be. You're standing there in his presence, unbound, unharmed, feet right in the fire. And he says, the fourth one looks like the Son of God. Now, my third point, I'm going to put a disclaimer out there and tell you this. The text does not specifically say they did this, but it doesn't say they didn't. I think they did. We stand, we declare. I think they worshiped. I can't help but think that these three Hebrews standing in the fire didn't lift up a hallelujah to their God, didn't lift up a hand of praise and the reason I say that is because he showed up. And it's just like God. It's the very nature of our God to show up when his people begin to worship. And I believe that these three Hebrews began to worship even in the fire. And Jesus showed up and won the victory. So the word today is even in the fire, we need to worship. Even when the flames are turned up against us, worship. Because you will discover that he will show up and what you thought was going to be a nightmare, you will find yourself standing. He may not pluck you out of it. You may find yourself standing right in the middle of the fire, unbound and unharmed with Jesus right at your side. So I believe that we worship. It's how we fight. It's how we win. It's how we war is through worship. Amen. I believe they worship. You can ask Joshua, how, how did you defeat Jericho? Joshua would say, well, you're not going to believe this, but we worshiped. We put the, instru we put the instruments and the musicians out front, and we, we circled the city seven times, and we worshiped, and the, and the city walls crumbled, and we were victorious. We sacked the city with worship. You could ask Jehoshaphat in 1 Chronicles 20, how did you, how did you beat Moab? Joshua, Jehoshaphat would say, well, you're not going to believe this, but we worshiped. We put the singers out front, and the, Mo, the Moabite army got confused and got, got disoriented, and we worshiped our way to victory. Worship brings God in on the scene. It causes him to fight your battles. He said, David, how did you kill that giant of a man, Goliath? And he said, well, you're not going to believe this. I mean, I'm kind of good with the sling, but when I came to him, I worshiped. I said, I come to you in the name of the Lord Most High. The Lord God of Israel is who I come. I don't come with my own skill set. I come at you in the name of the Lord. And that's how he won and slayed the giant. He asked Paul and Silas, how, how, what, what did you do in the midnight hour of the, in the, in the bottom of a prison cell when, when all hope was gone, discouragement was, was setting in, disappointment must have been looming over your heads. What did you do? They would have said, we worshiped. 
Right in the middle of a prison cell at midnight, we began to lift our voice and sing praises to God. And he showed up and shook the prison with an earthquake. And we found ourselves just like these three Hebrews, unbound and unharmed, free because we worshiped in the fire. Some of you are going through a fire and I want to encourage you. Don't give up. Stand. Listen, don't be quiet. Declare. And don't give up hope. Worship. He's faithful. He's good. He will see you through this. But stand. Declare who he is. And worship him. Psalmist said, magnify the Lord. Not sit around and talk about how bad it is and talk about your problems. Don't magnify your problems. Magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. That's how you win. It's through worship. Amen. Can we stand to our feet? Some of you may be going through fire this morning. And I want to encourage you. Stand. Declare. And worship. Can't help but think about Job's life. When he lost everything. His children. His livelihood, his reputation, all gone. The only thing the enemy didn't take was a nagging wife. And she's like a chihuahua in his ear saying, Job, you're crazy. You're insane. Just curse God and die. Just throw in the towel. Give it up. Curse him. Call it in. Job said, no. I believe I'll bless God and live. In spite of it all. I didn't bring anything here and I'm not taking it with me. The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. I'm not talking about bandwagon faith here. I'm not talking about as long as we're winning, we're going to wear the jersey. I'm talking about diehard faith. I'm talking about I believe he will save me, but though he slays me, I will still worship him. I'm not giving up. I'm not backing up. I'm not caving in. I'm here to worship my good God. I will bless him and live. I can't help but think about David. When, when David went to Ziklag, their head, the, the headquarters of his military, and they had all been off expanding Israel's borders and defeating their enemies, and they came home and they found that the enemy had snuck in the back door and taken, burned down their homes, taken their wives and their children. And here's David, the mighty general, the military genius, and his men turn on him. And they say, this is your fault. Listen, when the, when the dark clouds roll in, people start pointing fingers. And they look at him and they say, this is your fault. What did David do? He didn't call a meeting. He didn't form a committee. They didn't put it to a vote. He got along with God. And Scripture says... Well, it doesn't say he turned on his favorite YouTube preacher. He didn't dial up his favorite worship list on Spotify. Scripture says he got alone with God and encouraged himself in the Lord.
I can't help but think that David, he was so good at writing things like, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my salvation and my deliverer. And whom else would I take refuge? He's my shield and the horn of my salvation. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I am saved from my enemies. He worshiped the Lord his God. He worshiped his way to victory. If you're here today and you're going through a trial, you're going through a fight, you're going through adversity, listen, I want to give you a chance to worship your way to victory this morning. Anybody going through the fire? Anybody going through some struggles? Listen, just, can we just lift our hands up to the Lord in this moment? Just lift your hands up and say, God, I worship you. It may not make sense right now. People may look at me and say, why are they worshiping? They're struggling. Things are against them. Things aren't going their way. And they're worshiping. It's because this is how we win. This is how we fight. This is the road to victory. It's how we fight our battles. I wonder if we could just sing that. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Jesus, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how we win, Lord. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you as we worship your presence. Thank you for listening to the New Covenant Worship Center Sermon Podcast. We are located in Athens, Georgia, and would love to have you visit us on a Sunday. Or you can check us out at our website at ncwc.org.